Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, April 6th, 2022, and you're listening to episode number 541. I am your host, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Do Robo Burgers dream of electric fries? We wouldn't know. Our uh, our feet on the street for all things Robo Burger is not here this oh, week. Oh man! Yeah, he did try. He did try twice though. <laughs> <laughs> Took pictures with it and everything. They got to reload it. Um, Aaron Amos is here. Why, why does no one realize this is just a vending machine? <laughs> uh, John Burkle is here too. There has not been a Joey sighting since his last attempt with Robo Burger. Oh, it's a Skynet thing, I'm telling you. Yo, what if it's Joey inside the machine? Knew it. <laughs> what if he's the one making all the burgers? You, I read some. Re- machines, I read right? some reviews, by the way, and they people liked the way they tasted, but robots apparently don't make aesthetically pleasing hamburgers. They kind of like throw cheese sauce on it. It leaks all over the place, and it's a big mess. Nah, but they said it was. They right. said it was what good. Cheese sauce was on good. a hamburger. A, a vending machine robot. Yeah, look, they're <laughs> doing like they're doing like chopped meat burgers now. So the smash burgers. Yeah. So you can you can prepare a burger however you want these days. There's there's no rules anymore. No, there's there needs to be rules when it comes to a proper cheeseburger. Okay, John. I'm I'm a cheeseburger aficionado. What is your perfect cheeseburger? Medium rare. Okay. Combination of American cheddar provolone. Ooh, I like that. Lettuce, tomato, mustard, ketchup, and just a dab of barbecue sauce. You're doing too much. I could work, but I think that's a lot. Yeah. Um,. Steve, or you can go, go ahead. over very, very simple. Oh no, just go ahead. Steve. That's just like a salad with beef sprinkles. Not the size <laughs> of my burgers, my friend. <laughs> I don't believe in a, the quarter pounder or the the double quarter pounder. My mine are massive. Steve, I go with it. your Steve? shot. Sorry, Steve, your shot. Sorry, I was I was he's, writing down a writing salad down a burger. with beef sprinkles as the as the. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, I'm John, but you, once you're into mustard, I'm sorry you you're losing credibility with us New Yorkers. No, it's the only thing I put mustard on. Not on a ham the correct sandwich. answer. The correct answer. The correct answer for what you do with your burger is you go to Reese's. Uh-huh. there we go. Yeah, see, I already got Bob on yes, board. You do. Uh, for me personally, I can't speak for everybody, but I would I would love to go to Reese's, order yourself a – I think the medium rare is – that's a good way to go. But you got to get 
some bacon. Yeah. And some blue cheese. Oh, you you got me, Steve. You, you're you're overcooking it a little bit, but I'm with you. That's my favorite. Um, I need to have it a little bit done for 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 it yeah. to be okay with everything. But um, I like a little bit of bacon, a little bit of blue cheese, um, a little little swirl, a little spiral of barbecue sauce, and some really fresh crispy lettuce, and maybe some like. Maybe some white onion curls or something okay. like that, and then we're, we're done. All right, then we're done. Aaron, bunch of bougie burger aficionados. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. That's why burgers are so difficult. That's why the robots can't make it because everyone tries to do too much. Eighty twenty beef. You need the right amount of fat. Yeah, gotta have fat. No, no other seasonings. You can get a half pound, quarter pound, however you want to do it. No other seasonings other than salt and pepper. Let the beef there speak you go, for my itself. Friend. Then you can lead in with whatever your palate requires in terms of, of condiments, but the focus needs to be on the beef and the fat ratio. Yep. Toasted yep. bun. You can yep. throw your mayo. You can throw your lettuce. You can throw all that stuff on there. That's up to you. I don't think that's part of the burger. I think that's just window. No, uh, no garlic powder? No. 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 What? People do no. too much Sacrilege. of those things. You have the, the flavor. Uh, look, I, I just mentioned, I mentioned the spice. I didn't say how much we were putting in it. <laughs> Salt, no. pepper. Listen, I'm basing right, this I'm, on America's I'm, I'm, Test okay. Kitchen. America's okay. Test Kitchen has taught me well. Aaron, one of these days we'll get you from Manhattan to Long Island and we'll take you to Reese's. Uh, it's a local Irish bar. Been there since 1972. I've been going there since, I don't know, 74. They have a proprietary uh, ground beef mix. That's got some chucks, got some short rib, got some regular beef mm-hmm. in it. So this, there's enough fat so it leaks into the bun, right? It gets that thing going on. Yep. And so for me, I go and they'll cook it for me because I've been going there for all these decades. I go black and blue because I know where their beef came from. That's nice. So I get no, a I chart like- on the outside with that little bit of cool on the inside, reddish <laughs> into a little purple at the very center. I can go blue cheese. I can go cheddar. Got to have some bacon. I'll do a little bit of mayo here and there with a bacon burger. And it's the same thing. Get that toasted bun going. It's blue, che- mm. blue cheese. Blue cheese works, though. Blue cheese, the spiciness of blue cheese, that tartness mm-hmm. really works when it's, when, the, when it's charred that way. And you get the sweetness of the char and the tang of the blue cheese. Oh, yeah. It's a combo. It's a combo. All right. You get, you, this podcast is just making me hungry. You guys yeah. crack me up. You guys so, crack me up. You don't know where your you know where your cow is from. I literally knew where the beef was coming from because it was in my backyard and my dad had it slaughtered. Wow. So, we would eat it. so we would just get these massive amounts of, of fresh cut. Nice. And I'd be like, where's the cow? And my dad's like, you're eating it. It's Mooby. She was in the backyard last week. Yikes. Oh my God. All right. All right, I think we've we've hit our burger quota for yeah. this week's show. We lost all the vegans, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you know. Dark Can you tell, air. audience, that we don't have a lot to talk about this week, so we're just vamping? It was Ooh, vamping? Speaking nice. of... Somebody caught it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are we going there? Okay. Podcast over. Bob <laughs> drew the little straw, so go ahead. Oh boy, did yeah, I. Bob. Why don't you Why don't you kick things off here with your your okay. Morbius I, thoughts? I'm going to start with this. I'm going to go very classical to start as. And look, there are going to be lots of spoilers here, 
Well, I, I honestly, I don't know that anyone can, cares. There, there can't be because the movie is spoiled already. All right, no, it's just no, it stop, just stinks. Bob, stop. Um, but here it is. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Wow, it is Some... badly photographed. It is horribly <laughs> written. There are great actors in this movie who have nothing to do. It is it is so joyless that it makes the Batman seem like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, oh, whoa! Okay, my God, how do I really feel? Uh, you know, uh, it might be even worse than Moonfall, which I sat through at two in the morning because I couldn't look away the other night. Oh, is that that new is it uh, Roland Emmerich piece of crap? Roland yeah. Emmerich, yeah, yeah. 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 Here's the wow. thing. In this movie, there is the glimmer of a, the movie that Marvel might have made about Morbius, who is an anti-hero. It's a Jekyll and Hyde thing. There's a lot going on. We He has no chemistry with his female lead. Matt Smith is doing Spider-Man 3. He's in another <laughs> movie. Do you- He's doing emo dancing vampire. Yes, it, 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 I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I want that. <laughs> okay, but it, it, but you know what? It's not bad enough to be good. Plan Nine from Outer Space or something. It is just bad and boring. I found myself at two in the afternoon fighting off sleep forty minutes in. Wow. wow. Okay. But interestingly, at two fifteen on Sunday, and uh, look, I, I, I'm going to say this: Sunday is was not a great day for me because it's the anniversary of my dad's passing. But I figured, mm-hmm. look, I'll go to a movie and it'll be fun, and we'll talk about it for the show. No, it made everything worse. It was terrible. It, 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 oh, it's no. it's um, the crowd though. There were more people at two fifteen on Sunday morning. It was raining, which which could be part of it. There were more people in the theater than for the Batman. People stood up and applauded at the end of this. And I was thinking to myself, what alternate alternate universe am I in? Maybe it was, spoiler, maybe it was Michael Keaton fans who loved the post-credit sequences, which made no effing sense whatsoever. That... Uh, That never happens for any movie, let alone... They stood up and applauded. Literally stuck. Um, I don't know who you're going to the movies with. Um, the same, the same group who, uh, look, there were, the, the place was half filled in the middle of an afternoon, which was not what happened mm-hmm. with the Batman. I'm, they're not comparing the quality of each. I'm just saying that for some reason, people want to go out and see this trash, maybe because of their 17% rating at Rotten Tomatoes. No, cause it has Marvel on it. It says Marvel. And it has and the old Marvel go. logo, the flipping yeah. pages and everything. Um, it's, it, it. <coughs> It's I, know, I gave you credit last week, Aaron. I gave you credit last week. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it, Aaron. No, no, no. I, I That was it. That was my entire comment. Okay. It's <laughs> It wants to be greater than it is. It wants to have gravitas and meaning. And the dialogue is so ripe. This movie is so 2005 superhero movie. It... it <sighs> Look, I I want to I want to go watch. We're we'll, going to talk about a news story later on. I want to go watch Catwoman as a palate cleanser. No, <laughs> no I'll oh talk yeah, about a good movie later. Catwoman is also not a good movie. No, but it's fun. 
in its own yeah, goofy I, sort of sick way. This, you just sit there and it's all, because it's all at night. We turn Morbius, okay, Morbius, we, do we, okay, briefly, Morbius, Michael Morbius has a blood disorder and so does his friend Milo, who's actually Lucian, who's not the guy, sadly, from the Underworld movies, which would have been better. And we, we end up with this, he needs to cure himself. So it's Jekyll and Hyde. And he finds, when he gives himself this vampire bat syndrome, which no one knows how vampire bats work, they are not piranhas. They don't swarm at cows and eat them whole. They kind of gently land on the back of cows and stick their two little fangs in and take the blood out and move away. It's it's this thing where we we he gives himself the the shot turns into a vampire that then kills I don't know a dozen people. But do you remember True Lies, everybody? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, Jamie Lee and Arnold are drugged, and she says, "Well, did you kill them? Yes, but they were all bad." Well, we get the FBI saying that in this movie. Well, they're they're all terrible people, and that that goes and goes and goes, and it's it's overly dark in cinematography. It's overly dark in story. It is incomprehensible in the fight sequences, which are so CGI'd it looks like a bad video game from two thousand four. <laughs> um. Uh, out of nowhere, spoilers, Morbius, because he sticks his hand up in the air as if you're a little kid sticking your hand out the window in a car, he decides he can fly. There's no explanation for that. In the books, it was because his bones became ultralight from the disease and the, the cure and so on and so forth. They could then loft on the air currents. No, now he's Superman. They can fly through the subways where there's not a whole lot of air currents in the New York City subways. Look. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to. I saw it for nothing because I had a five dollar gift certificate to my local theater, so I had I, I used that and bought. I gave them cash to have some nice popcorn and, and and a Dr Pepper from the fountain, which was lovely. And if you can see it for free streaming, do that. If for some reason you're a fan of this character, there are moments where Jared Leto looks like Morbius, acts like Morbius. And those are the things that really irk me. Somewhere, this could have been a, a really fun movie and, and still be dark. Sam Raimi directs this. Marvel does it. We have something. Sony has, I don't, I don't know if they have a clue to who they're picking to do these movies. And I'm, yeah. I'm disappointed because look, I went in knowing this was going to be bad. I didn't expect this level of bad. <laughs> See, and that's kind of my issue with it and, and the takeaway that I've had over the past couple of days is I can look forward to seeing something that is awfully good yes, and yes. not just awful. There you go. And it sounds like people that were even like were in the right frame of mind, had set their expectations, still walked out of it disappointed. <laughs> At least in, in my circle of, of people that I follow or know or whatever that have seen it, like I went on and on about my position in, of this movie the other day. And one of my friends was like, I've already seen it. <laughs> just like, yeah. And what'd you think? And they, they told me and, and we had a nice little discussion about it. But um, 
Like, I just, I love that if you tell me that a movie is just so god awful and it's so ridiculous Catwoman. and the acting is so. But you can watch the, that like and have a, a- Catwoman, The Room. Yeah, uh, birdemic, like just, just really yeah. sharknado, whatever volume you want, absolutely. Yeah, like, like whatever Tommy Wiseau joint you got, like I'll smoke it, whatever. Yeah. But this doesn't. I don't know. I, I, I will admit that I think that morbid curiosity will still win out in the end. But I won't. I probably won't be seeing this okay. movie until don't, it comes out on home video. To see it. And yeah. I'm going to spoil the post-credit sequences. Mm, they're already I'm, out there. I'm a, I, they're on. All YouTube. right. All right. All right. Okay. The first one is credits roll. Crackle, crackle, crackle. Michael Keaton in a prison uniform shows up in a new prison on the Morbius Earth, whatever one this is, because I can't quite figure it out. Hey. So the vulture then. Well, well he's Adrian Toomes. Not yet. Yes. Right. right. He's right. Okay. I hope the food's better in this joint than the last one. Cut cut okay. to a news thing. They let him out of prison. And then we do some more credits. Morbius is driving his car down a highway. Just, uh, who knows where it is? I guess it's supposed to be the, uh, the Palisades Parkway in New Jersey or something. And he pulls up to the side. And there's this wave of wind whoosh, rushing around. Uh, and it's Billy Corgan. Yeah, I wish. Sorry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's Adrian in a full-on vulture outfit. Hey, maybe we should team up. We could do some stuff. <sighs> okay, so wait a minute. He's on another Earth than his own. Where does this outfit come from? Why does he know who Morbius is? How does he track him down? It, none of it makes any sense. It's as if there were four other scenes. That might have had Michael Keaton in it because when you look at the end credits, he's listed fifth. Wow. And those credits mean screen time, basically, right? Not no. always, but but I mean they they want to get the bigger name up there. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna hide. It's not like an end Michael Keaton at the start of the movie. If it's if they're well, there were no, credits. There were none of those credits before. They went right into the movie. It was just sort of mm. Morbius with a logo and then into the movie, if I remember correctly. Uh, I loved Michael Keaton as a vulture in, in that first Tom Holland Spidey movie. It's great. Yeah. And he's still good here, but it's just um, stupid. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No. It's 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 so loosely connected that you think, why bother? You know, and I think that that is the lure for a lot of a lot of more casual fans of these movies is that they hear that it, it's connected to Spider-Man. They're interested, especially uh, for like the lesson form coming off the back of No Way Home, Absolutely. which is one of the biggest movies in, in ever made. And everybody still has Spider-Man fever. Yeah. Uh, they also tried and, to drag Venom into this, by the way, too. Yeah, they want, oh, I'm sure. they want to do a Sinister Six. This is the first three. They'll, they'll do something else. It's going to be the Sony version of Suicide Squad. Well, they're, doing, they're filming Craven right now. Yeah, and you throw in you throw in Andrew Garfield Spider Man down the line, and and I yes, yeah, I mean I'm just I'm hypothesizing, but oh I know do, I know they want to do something on their own. I will tell you, and this might sound mean, but I think that with the work that's been done with Tom Holland Spider Man, I think he might be too good for this universe that they're building. I don't know that I can see well, him coming I, into the mix. No, Holland won't. 
No. It's going to be Garfield. Yeah. No, I, no, I don't know about that. I think Holland is the MCU Spider-Man. He stays over there. Now you bring all these characters over to this Sony-verse. You still have Garfield, who is willing to do it. Who only did two movies before, absolutely. And you reestablished him in, in the newest Spider-Man. You introduce Craven. You bring in someone else. You can do Bendis' Sinister Six, where Spider-Man is the sixth ver- member, or something Ooh. along those lines. You do something. I mean, they need to do something, because they have all this... I, I can only imagine what they're paying Jared Leto... Michael Keaton, yeah, and and, and and Tom Hardy, they they've got to do something to bring all these together. They they're talking about the Madam Web. I'm not saying it's going to be any better. I'm just simply saying this is what Sony is probably thinking. They want their own universe, and they don't want to give any of this rights back to Marvel. No, and the, the shame right. is their collaborations have yielded great movies. Yes. When, there was a, when they let Marvel do all the leg. Well, yeah, that is also true. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, I'm thinking uh, it's Sydney Sweeney joined the cast of Madam Web, so it's yes. Dakota Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, we don't know. Um, it, people are saying that it's a possible spider person. Um, I'm not entirely sure, so I don't want to say. Well, you could do. It looks like Julia Sweeney. She's a little old to be Spider Girl. And is, is Aaron Johnson Craven? <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, Aaron, 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 Taylor, Aaron Taylor is Craven. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I kind of like that. I oh, like him. good casting. I like him a lot. Yeah. I did not enjoy him in Godzilla. Oh, I love King and Olsen together. I thought that was a lot of fun. Kick yeah. ass is cer- certainly awesome. Yeah, kick ass. Oh, kick ass was kick ass was a blast. Yeah. I just I. I'm not going to get into my my Godzilla, Godzilla speech. Um, what? All right. Are those your are those that's your a, thoughts that's, about that's Morbius? Enough, Bob? Yeah, that's quite enough. Look, people, right. if you really want to punish yourselves, go see Morbius. All right. I'm sure that we will have more thoughts when Joey comes on up. Morbius I can, when Joey comes back. We just and, read, and who knows? Should we read Joey's 47 thread <laughs> well, from the movie theater? No, no, I'm kidding. No, he'll 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 hopefully be back next week, and he can uh, he can give his thoughts. I'm sure he'll he'll enjoy that. Okay, one more thing. Um, Here's the thing: if you want to see a movie yeah. about a guy who accidentally becomes a vampire, it's on YouTube. I'm sure there's a movie from 1957 called The Vampire, where a doctor ends up taking the wrong pills and finds himself a vampire and runs around killing people. Go watch that. It's only like 70 minutes, and you'll be through and done in an hour. And you you know. A couple of noshes, you'll be good to go and 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 skip Morbius. I so I, I rescind what I sued. said before, huh? I said I bet that pharmacist got sued. Oh no, it was a researcher. <laughs> he wasn't even a pharmacist yet. Otherwise, yeah, he'd he'd have been sued. But he was just a regular guy, regular doctor doing stuff. And <laughs> uh, staying on the subject of movies, I would like to hear about if you would if you would indulge me, Aaron the incredible film that you decided to go and see over the weekend. You mean you didn't go see Morbius? Are we doing my lightning round yet? No, just no. Do you want, do you want to? You can't stop it. It started. You're just going to mess up my flow. You're just going to mess up my flow. All right. Aaron, you're going going first. Go ahead. All right. Because I had a progression of things. So I'm going to talk about my books. All right. All right. All right. Because, uh, you know, I want to clean everyone's palate from that, you know, yeah, shit stain of a movie. Yeah, we, we should probably start about. the lightning rounds now. Anyway, it's been long enough. 
and, and round it out with something good. Um, all right. So, uh, read a few things. I didn't, uh, as you probably already know, I've kind of been off my normal schedule, so I didn't have an opportunity to sort of sit down and sort of <coughs> comicsology. Go exactly, <laughs> exactly. Do my go into cocoon thing and sort of read all my stuff. But you know, I was able to sort of sift through some things and uh, and sort of zero in on the things that I really, really, really wanted to focus on and catch up on. And so I picked two of them. One, the Magic Order Two, number six. Um, primarily because we knew that that was ending. Um, and I will say that all the things that you heard me say in the past about this book still hold true in this issue. Um, the, the world that has been built is amazing. The continuation of that world building from the first uh, uh, volume of this is, continues to be amazing. The character building um, and sort of not necessarily having this clear line between what is good and evil in each character, but rather having everyone be sort of a blended, you know, gray scale continues to sort of add to the, the tension in the drama because you don't know exactly who's going to do what, when, and where. You don't necessarily have someone standing in the middle of the room with an S on their chest knowing exactly what they're going to do. And I've, I've loved that aspect of this. So kicking off this issue is a remember from the last issue that everyone was sort of, they were down and out. The order was down and out. They had all but been beaten um, and because Soren Korn, basically, he he did everything he said he was going to do, like clockwork. His objective was essentially to put them in their place, sort of as a, a, a point of revenge, you know, for them being put in their place for millennia. Um, and he, he did this by masterfully orchestrating this Ocean's Eleven style heist of a all-powerful artifact that essentially gives him the power to, to bend and warp reality and time and all of these things by draining power from um, an incredibly powerful demon, almost like creating a, a, a battery, a magic battery um, that just dwarfs everything else. Um, uh, he, he makes one, he, he, again, he's, he is a classic villain with a little bit more edge um, because he is, not necessarily twirling his mustache for the purpose of, you know, personal gain, you know, like money or something like that, or, or just power, but it's, he truly believes that what he's doing is for his, his people's survival, but it's no less, you know, traumatizing, you know, to see it happen. Um, he, he, he makes a critical mistake. He, he was a little bit too, without, I'm trying not to spoil it without being too spoilery. He was too hyper-focused with his plan and that left him open and that opening was all that was needed uh, to sort of challenge him. Um, and it led to some places where not everyone won, not everyone lost, but there were some sacrifices across the board. I really think that this is a, an, an incredible story. I do think if I had one little nit, I think that this probably, and you will rarely hear me say this, but I think this probably should have gone on for another two issues. Um, I think it should have spread out, the weight of the sacrifices a little bit longer and let the readers uh, sort of sit in that. Um, I think because it was six issues and they, they built so much into it that maybe this felt like it wrapped up a little too quickly um, if I understand it. But I, 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 I just believe that maybe this would have been something that, you know, we could have sat in for another couple of issues or so because uh, you know, just that weight there, this that tension. Um, the other book, I'm sorry, I should probably have said Mark Millar, Stuart Eminen, uh, for that for the Magic Order 2. The other book I read, Crossover number 12, Donny Cates, 
Robert Kirkman, Jeff Shaw, D. Cuniff, and John Hill. Um, I gave a little bit of a hint there, but I'll let you all figure out what that is by reading this. We found out who our big bad was, you know, in the last issue. That big bad kicks off this issue by meeting yet another comic book writer and essentially taking him to task for the life that he has created. Um, Well, the lives that he's created, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it not necessarily being what he would have preferred. Um, And he's a little pissed about it. He's a little pissed about it. And he has rage issues that he usually solves at the end of a bat. Um, So with that said... You know, I'm, listen, I'm giving you all the hints I can give you. Um, with that said, we we find ourselves a secret agent man trying to shake some information out of Donny Cage. We find ourselves with a power team in the middle of this massive trap that there's no way they're going to get out of. But Mr. Cage may have one more thing up his sleeve. Looks like he's primed up for a really major, you know, next chapter uh, or concluding issue. I'm not sure, but I, I was very excited at the end of this at the, when I saw the last page because I felt like this was really what we were looking for. So it's going to be the thing where, as he says, going to add, going to combine the A plot and B plot because the readers were falling off, as he says in the book. <laughs> so. When when you say Cates, is he? I haven't read crossover in a while. Um, is he in the book? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Why Significantly. not? Uh, Significantly. Of course. Oh, that's all right. Um, that, that's my next project. I'm going to get caught up with uh, crossover. That's amazing. Okay. So, now. <laughs> Onto something good, as opposed to the shit stain you talked about at the beginning of the show. Uh, a great movie. I have been wanting to see this movie forever. And it's finally out. Well, it's out where I am anyway. Um, everything, everywhere, <laughs> all at once. <laughs> Director Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinhardt cast Michelle Yeoh, a goddamn world treasure, I should say. Yeah. Stephanie Sue, <laughs> Jenny Slate, <laughs> Kay Hui Kwan, aka Short Round, and Jamie Lee Curtis. So, <laughs> yes, uh, this movie. Okay, so basically, the 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 overarching overview is an aging immigrant. I'm sorry, an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. Um, it's basically an amazing story in a multiverse um, that's really pitting good versus evil, sort of. So, like I said, the, the objective here is, you know, you start off with this hero's conceit of, is she the one? Is she the, you know, the, the Jet Li of this movie? Is she <laughs> the one? Is she the, the prime version of, you know, who she who is needed to defeat this evil and the evil is in and of itself a spoiler that I'm not going to provide here, but um, I think it was perfectly placed. This movie, when you're going down that path, it's very, it's very easy to get lazy in, in believing that, okay, well, this is going to be one of those hero heroes journey stories that, you know, the hero is going to get to a point where she, she understands her inner strength and she saves the day. I'll let you walk into the movie believing that's the case. Um, But there's so much more. (laughs) There's so much more happening here that 
Michelle Yeoh, I feel like Hollywood has failed this woman based on the performance that she provided in this movie. She was stunning in her performance here. Mm, the emotion, she's a treasure. The ability to go from the emotions to the action to the comedy, uh, it was amazing. And what I also loved is that they would just haphazardly speak in English and then speak in Chinese and the the subtitles would just pop up when they spoke in Chinese. There wasn't like a change of scene, new language, change of scene. No, no, no. It would literally be mid-sentence. Like English, Chinese, English, Chinese. And the subtitles would pop up and you just got used to it. And I thought it was so respectful, you know, <laughs> to the culture that to then to believe that a bunch of Chinese immigrants, all of whom English is their second language, are all going to be in the same space and all continuing to speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was amazing. This movie was funny, touching, wacky, visually beautiful, unbelievably comedic and, and crass in some places. Just there were times where I, I literally went from just wincing to laughing out loud. And there were multiple points in this movie where I was just like on my, like the edge of my seat with the action and then fighting back tears. Um, nice. All in, you know, in this two hour and 20, I think it was like two hours and 16 minutes or something like that, that this movie was, I cannot, cannot say enough how much I enjoyed this movie. I will admit that this movie may not be for everyone because I know we live in a world now where everyone wants to have a very straightforward story. You are not going to get a very straightforward story here. What we are going to get is a very beautiful story that's well-written and incredibly well-acted. And I will tell you this much. I do not know why Short Round was not a, <laughs> a major star. <laughs> okay. He is freaking amazing in this role. Freaking amazing. The am- yeah, I think he stepped Once again, away. he was one of the people. Yeah. He, he, one of the, he was one of the reasons why I was holding back tears at one point. Oh, um, the emotion he, that he like, brings out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just he i think was when he thought about getting back into acting he was very very um concerned about what role he would take because he didn't want to go back to the way that things used to be mm-hmm. like all the roles that he was being offered were those stereotypical insulting roles and he didn't want to go for that so that when something finally came along that he thought was respectful and fun and everything that's when he like he opened that door up for himself i think i think this was a perfect vehicle for him to to make his return to the mainstream if you want to call that's it that's so mainstream. i'm so glad to hear all this this is my most my most anticipated movie of the year uh right alongside the um unbearable weight of massive talent like that's the <laughs> other one that i'm really looking forward to but i am it's coming out um was it everything everywhere all at once? Yep, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, that's it's uh going wide on uh the eighth of April. So uh this coming weekend, people will more people will be able to go oh. and check it out. I'm in there. After after that description, I'm a hundred percent in. It's just I, I um, It looks incredible. Wait, what's so funny? Is is it weird that I think this way now when I go see these movies that I know Joey wants to see? I go, Joey's gonna cry there. 
<laughs> I do the same thing. I do the same exact thing. He's going to cry here, here. He's going to cry for 20 minutes straight right here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I very much, I very, very much felt like this movie was what I wanted it to be in a little bit more. Um, it, there are now, granted, pay attention. I will say to everyone who's thinking about, but pay attention because there are so many things that happen at once at one point. The pay attention to the dialogue, especially read every subtitle, read every caption, because some of the things that are said are so clever and so funny. But if you're not paying attention, you're not read, you might miss it. Um, but so I, I, I still, I can't wait for this to come out um, streaming or something because I will absolutely add this to my collection and probably this will be one of those movies I watch a lot. I was trying while I was sitting in the theater to figure out what this reminded me of. And I don't think this is a one-to-one comparison, but I, I think it has influences from this. Do you remember the, the Kevin Smith movie dogma? Sure. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. It has some of those influences. Don't Whoa. go in with that mindset, but it's got some of those influences, that wackiness, that comedic sort of take on something that is bigger than everything. Uh, but seeing through the eyes of someone who isn't, um, gotcha. So yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, and that's my lightning round. <laughs> Not so lightning, but you know, I I've, I wanted to spend a little extra time mm-hmm. talking about a good movie to balance things out. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm very very excited. Yeah, once we didn't get to Morbius this weekend, <laughs> and then remember that that was coming out, I was like, Ugh. money well saved. Things are things aren't looking good for old Michael Morbius and my wallet. Sorry, buddy. He may never went at the box office this weekend. Look, if somebody was going to put that movie in front of me, I would I would totally watch it. But do drinking movies games. are do expensive. Yeah, but I could do. I want to do that at home because I don't want to. I don't want to be in the theater uh, doing that sort of thing. Like I, just, it's like I said, and I mean, you know, you can make this what you will, but. After snacks and after tickets for two adults, it's like eighty dollars to go to the movies out here, and I'm just not. I'm not about to drop eighty dollars on Morbius. I'm sorry. I'll put it on and accomplish things around my house while it's on. That's like I mean that's that's what I think of it at this point. That's how I've watched the the last two Venom movies or the only two Venom movies. I'll clip my toenails while watching it. (laughs) (laughs) I will likely likely check it out. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just gonna make fun of it while I was yeah while I'm clipping my nails and doing my taxes watching Morbius. (laughs) Oh my goodness! All right. Let's do another lightning round. We've 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 put Morbius through enough for one podcast. You weren't alone. I, read, I read reviews. You weren't alone. Uh, John, why don't you go? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. I read I read lots of things, but the the things that stuck out to me were Newburn number four and five. So this is Chip Zdarsky's non-substack story with Jacob Phillips, and apparently. Just a sidebar here. Apparently, all the Substack stuff is coming to Image Comics oh. to be printed in their near future. So all you have to do is be patient, and you're going to get it all anyway. Um, so okay, sidebar over. Uh, if you don't remember, Easton Easton Newburn is a former police detective who's turned PI and fixer for all of the crime families in New York. 
So he has connections with all the all the criminals, all the mobsters, and the police. And when crime families are on the verge of a gang war, he and his partner Emily, uh, so I think very much Sherlock Holmes and Mr. Watson, or Dr. Watson, I apologize, uh, they come in, they investigate, and they find out who the real culprits are. And if they're gang or mob related, they take it to the families and the families deal with it internally so that New York City does not become a gang war zone. Uh, so he walks a very fine line between all of these crime families and the police department. Well, number four, Newburn and Emily go unwilling to unwillingly to work for the police union to investigate the death of an officer. And they, they don't want to work for the union, but if they don't do this job, the union will make their lives unbearable and they will make it known to the crime families that Newburn is wor- working for the police which could be the end of Newburn and Emily's lives. So they need to investigate this without their usual client base finding out. But of course they do. And the twists and turns of this book were magnificent. And the conclusion was utterly satisfying. And then we jump to Newburn number five, which opens with Newburn in prison. So what the hell? He's housed with people he put away. He is uh, both as a cop and a PI. He's bunked with a former capo of one of the mob families. And you're really not sure what's going on with this issue. You don't know if if this is a legitimate incarceration because he's pissed off a lot of people. Or is this a setup? Everything starts to come together. And I don't want to spoil anything, but Newburn number five was just a great crime story. And this is really great storytelling by Chip Zdarsky and Jacob Phillips, who, with this book and That Texas Blood, he's going a long way from being Sean's son to being a superstar in his own right. And his style, it's, it's just, it's this beautiful, very just... I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. it it's not his dad, and, and it, it, he began kind of mimicking his father's style, which is natural, but now he's kind of got this whole little dark corner uh, that he's doing. He's got, it, it's just, it's really magnificent. It's great to watch him develop, and it, these two books are, are a great showcase for his talent. Um, then the other thing I read that really stuck out to me this week is Batman Beyond the White Knight. So this is Sean Murphy with Dave Stewart on colors and Anne World Designs on letters. So this is the third volume of of Murphy's alternate Batverse. There's actually four stories. There's a Harley Quinn series that was done by uh, Murphy's wife, uh, Katana Collins and Matteo Scolari. But this is the the third volume in the core story. It's been 10 years since Bruce Wayne turned himself in to answer for the Batman's crimes to save his city. Uh, He's taken down the Joker. He took down one of the coolest versions of Azrael in the last volume. And in this volume, we open with Bruce in prison, hoping that he saved his city, but it didn't work. Uh, Wayne Enterprises has been taken over by Derek Powers, who is co-opting all of the bet technology. Um, it opens up with Terry, the the uh, character created for Batman Beyond, uh, sneaking into the Batcave, 
uh, to steal a prototype suit that was too dangerous for even Bruce to wear. And yes, it's the Batman Beyond suit. Um, Bruce is stuck in prison, helping to break up riots every other day because the prison staff is um, severely underfunded because the Wayne Foundation is completely cut off. The prison, uh, Harley is having a hard time with her preteens, especially her daughter who is being teased because uh, she is the daughter of the Joker and everybody knows she's the Joker's daughter, but she might not be the Joker's daughter. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Because Bruce and Harley had a little tryst, but Bruce has cut everybody off over the years. There, yeah, there's some touching moments with um, Jason Todd and Bruce kind of making amends for the failures of their relationship. And as Bruce sees everything that he thought he was fixing fail, and with a new Batman suit out there that could be very, very dangerous. He has to decide, does he stick around in prison for a few more months and maybe make parole? Or does he use his bat skills, go criminal, and try and save his city once again? I love these Murphy books. They are gorgeous. Sean Murphy is one of the top talents in comics today. He is turning into an incredible writer. He understands Batman. He understands uh, the Bat mythos and how important that is to a good Batman story. But these are great alternate reality Batman books. Uh, If you haven't read White Knight and Curse of the White Knight, go read them. You will not be disappointed. And then come pick up Batman Beyond the White Knight because it is a great first issue. And I cannot wait to see where this story goes. And I'm done. Look at you. Look at me. (laughs) Every time that I want to get into these Murphy Batman books, I feel like I have to go back and start from the very beginning. And so it just feels like an undertaking to get caught up. It's really not. I mean, there's only there's. There's the two, there's White Knight and Curse of the White Knight, and then there's the Harley Quinn book. You could be caught up in a weekend. You really they, could. Dude, they're, they're, they're dense, dense but they're so good, and they read fast, and you might come out of it, you might come out of Curse of the White Knight with an appreciation for Azrael you never knew you had, because nobody I don't did. Have, I don't have an appreciation for the character at all. I don't know the character. But you will after reading it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? I read Webtoons for you. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> this guy over here. Wow. You know what? Guilt trips are a part of my lightning round. It seems my lightning round is starting a little early. <laughs> I'm Jesus. kidding. I don't want to guilt you because. No, I've, no, no, no. I've no, known you did. Least some, did. some teenage yeah, mercenary, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, I was right. channeling my mother there for a moment. <laughs> well, listen, it might not be it might not be this week because we've no. got we've got a lot going on, but um, little tease there. Yeah. But uh, soon, but soon, I, I'm gonna say soon. I just I just know that you've been you like you love the the one dark night. You loved the imposter. You love those type of Batman stories that aren't connected to the main book, and yeah. I, so that's why I think that these would be a really good thing that you you would get into. And I just know you you love 
Sean Murphy. I have been bat obsessed yeah. for months and I'm I'm like peppering my lightning rounds with Batman stuff because if I just talked about all the Batman stuff I've been reading, we'd be here all day. I did the same uh, thing with my my lightning. I'm like, I talk about Batman so much. I've gotta change it up. But then this yeah. came out and I was like, no, I gotta talk about this. I try. I had a I'll tell you, I had a really hard time finding books uh this week. And it's not it's not about the quality of things. It's just that I'm it was one of those weeks where a lot of things that have kind of been around for a while and have been talked about extensively mm-hmm. on the show are were the only things that I got to. And then all of a sudden it was Sunday and I'm like, oh God. I know. Like I gotta I gotta find something quick. Thankfully I did. <laughs> but um man, you always make these these Batman Murphy books sound like so much fun. I, I gotta get into that. I have them all. Like I gotta yeah. They're just sitting there. I gotta, I gotta get to them. Just jump in. Just dive in. Dive in. Uh, and Newburn is absolutely fantastic. I'm not caught up, but I did read the first three issues, mm-hmm. and it is Zadarsky is just such an incredible, incredible creator. I, I've said this so many times on the show, and I'll actually talk about him again when I do my lightning round. But um, wa- watching him grow throughout yeah. the course of his career and just become this this multi-talented threat within within the medium it's been amazing and i'm really glad to hear that some of these substack projects are are coming out through other publishers right um you know and presumably they'll come out collected because they've they've been coming out on that platform for a while and not to no, not to twist the I, conversation I think they're coming to out as individual issues oh are they yeah they're going to try and do the they're going to get your money through substack they're going to get your money through the individual issue and then they're going to get your money through the the trade yeah, I mean that's well, and that's you know, fine. That's I mean that's that's the printing model. So I saw an advertisement for a new Scotty Young uh, book series coming out. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'll look it up. But um, yeah, Substack. I never hear anything about it ever. No, it, that disappeared quickly. I guess. I mean, if for all I, I think it's still around, but I I'm just still so shocked about how little of an impact that seemed to have made after all the hubbub. I know we seemed like we were talking about it every week and now it's like, Oh yeah, it's there. Yeah. But for like, yeah, for like two weeks, it was the, it was the, the conversation du jour. And then it was, and then it was nothing. I like, so I like that Newburn each issue is like its own individual story. Someone's going to pick this book up and it, it will make a great noir crime story like netflix or hbo max or somebody it, it, it's just got great qualities to it that's awesome mm-hmm. man all right i gotta write all these down i got homework to do <laughs> all right bob it is time for your lightning round okay it's a very short lightning round but i will vamp some but no no pun intended <laughs> okay. Uh, the Sensational Wonder Woman special is a three-story mini anthology, although it does carry a maxi $9.99 price tag. Uh, for me, one was exceptional, one very good, and the third by writer-artist Scott Collins was, you know, was uh, quite good also, but just not as special as the other two. Now, Swapped by Stephanie Phillips, Aletha Martinez, Dexter Vines, Vincente Cifuentes, Wendy Broom, Claire Strachan, and Becky Carey was a delightful Freaky Friday kind of thing, where in order to obtain a mystic artifact, Cersei 
magics Diana's mind into the body of a teenage girl named Devon, and vice versa. Needless to say, complications ensue for everyone. It's with great humor, even better messaging, and quite frankly, you haven't lived until you've seen a teenage Amazon play dodgeball. Just saying. Topping this, however, is the issue's opener, Hell Hath No Flurry, uh, by Paula Sevenbergen, Paul Pelletier, Norm Rapund, Adriana Lucas, and Pat Brousseau. It's a... It's Be a Superhero Day at Eastside Girls and Boys Center, and young Will is being bullied due to his choice of costume, Wonder Woman. When there's an attack by the Blue Snowman, Diana comes to help, and, well, this ends with a moment that will bring a smile and a tear to all the fans of the Amazon Princess. Totally worth ten bucks, and honestly, just for that one story, this just ends in something that the Marstons probably couldn't have dreamed of it being able to actually put on the page in 1941. Just something really special. Um, just saying. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. Captain Marvel 37, Kelly Thompson, uh, Julian Ota, Ruth Redmond, Clayton Cowles is a done in one, albeit with a cliffhanger that finds Carol trying to help new ally binary applicate, uh, acclimate rather to life on earth as well as what it means to be a hero. Education takes a couple of side trips. One that gets kind of deep, and the other, well, it's a girl's night out at a local dance club. Throw in those smelly giant snat cats from issues past. And just, uh, <laughs> just, just a great read. Kelly Thompson really done a spectacular job with this. I mean, it, it wasn't, wasn't unexpected. But it, it's Captain Marvel's been done really well, and sometimes not quite as well. And this has been a, a really great run. We we've really gotten to learn some new things about Carol, and we'll see where we go. We've got a cliffhanger here that I'm not saying anything about, but it is pretty massive. So I'll leave it at that. I'm done. Now, did you say they go out to the club, Carol and friends? Oh yeah. And they bring some people down from space, including her sister, L'Oreal. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and Jessica Drew and the whole crew and Hazmat and the She-Hulk. Oh, man. My list of comics that I need to read is just yeah. getting longer and longer this they, episode. They chicken fight. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. So now Binary is a separate entity now? Yes. Well, that's a story. Okay, I'm a a little behind on Captain Marvel, so I I knew that they were kind of building toward that, but or or something along to to escape from the clutches of the bad guy a few issues back. Carol went full on, used all her powers at their maximum level, and appearing out of thin air was a replication of her binary self. Okay. Which helped her escape I, from yeah. Vox Supreme, and yep, we went there. So like she projected, it was almost like Green Lantern style. She yeah, projected that's perfect. Her binary yes. energy huh. outside of the suit that she was trapped in, and then used it to free her. And she did it a second time in a particular location, and other things happened. It, mm-hmm. it had a, a sort of a Frankenstein type thing happen. Because I love those, 
I mean, I, I love Carol's Captain Marvel, but I also love when she was with the Star Jammers, and you have those Claremont, Dave Cockrum, and then Paul Smith issues where she was the binary. That yeah, that was good stuff. So I, I'll take both. I, I gotta get caught up on Captain Marvel. I'm woefully behind on this one. It's yeah, I don't think I've read Captain Marvel since the awards. Uh, yeah, I think I got caught up halfway. And then I moved on to other things. I got to go back. It's all on Unlimited, which we can get here in America. Sorry, Steve. Oh, um, oh God. <laughs> hey, God, you can, well, DC Infinite's in Canada. Now Marvel has to respond. Right? I'm not talking to you. He can't be very mean to me. He can't watch the movies. I mean. Did you John just there? loves... Just loves to rub it in. Steve, you you're got, my, you my lifeline on this show. I can't not have you. <laughs> Would you say I'm your you You're my lifeline on this show. <laughs> Joey hates me every other week. Stop. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sorry, but I got to get caught up on Captain Marvel. Uh, I'm going to throw a line at you from the Wonder Woman book just, just because I'm feeling emotional. Are you ready? Yep. The little boy will, after all this is going on, he's standing there looking at Diane and he's wearing his Wonder Woman costume. I heard you tell that criminal to be their real self instead of hiding behind a costume. But what if wearing a costume like yours helps me feel more like my true self, at least for now? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Niagara Falls, Frankie. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Niagara Falls. Yeah. <laughs> it speaks to the world we live in right now. Yep. Mm. All right. Well, here I'm going to cheer you all up. I found the uh, I found that Scotty Young book that I was uh, talking about. It's called Twig, and uh, I'm going to send you the cover photo, the cover image for it right is now. He, in the is chat. he doing the whole thing, or is he just What's that? is he doing the whole thing? No, no, no. It's um, him, uh, Kyle Stram, uh, Jean-Francois Bellieu, and someone else on letters. I don't. I no longer have it in front of me. I really kind of want to back to the interior. Yeah, I read Strange Academy. I oh, caught, I caught up on it. Oh, oh, oh! You did? Yes, I did. Okay, and <laughs> where do you, well, I read the last two back to back. Which one were? I can't remember which one you were. You, we you could, were. we could, we could probably talk about it off air. I don't think that we yeah. need to. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. But pretty, pretty, pretty devastating, though, right? Hmm. Not so much. <laughs> what? Wow. I mean, I don't mean it like that. I mean, it was, I feel like it was, don't, don't get me wrong. I, it's not what I would have chosen, Um, but I think it's leading to a bigger story. So I'm not as, I, I didn't think what, what happened was going to be the end. So imagine reading that, not having that information. That's that's how I arrived at it, my conclusion for it. No, I get. I was I, out of sorts. I get what you're saying. I just kind of feel like, I, I somewhere in my head, I was just like, this is one of those bait and switch things. This is one of those, you know, they're setting you up because I couldn't imagine. But I hear what you're saying. No, it, it was it. If I had just come upon that and not had that mindset, I probably would have. You probably would have heard all the tables in my house flipping. Yes, but based on where we were in the story and then what was happening, I'm just like, this is one of those bait and switch thingies. They're going to change the name because 
the things that were happening in the stories almost as I read, I know we we're actually talking about it, but I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. I remember reading the first part of the second to last one thinking, okay, I see what they're doing here. They're, they're creating a new crop of students. Could you notice I added like three or four new people, new characters that have never been there before. Um, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they're doing this whole, okay, these kids are going to age out or these kids are going to move up. So they're going to expand the universe. And then they sort of double down on that with the, the most recent issue. And so then they come to the end and see like to be concluded. I'm like, nah, they're not going to do it. They're not going to pull that trigger. There's too much. There's too much they're in the middle of. So, or, or minimally, I would have expected to see a big old letter from Scotty at the back of the book somewhere. So. Yeah, I just it the the trajectory of that story right now feels like it has to be continued in something else. Yep. So I don't know if we're going to get some kind of surprise announcement or, I mean, I know that they're they're working on something else with those characters. I just I want more information. I want to know what that is because it just it feels like they're just starting something now. Oh, there's going to be a couple of things I think are going to come from it. I think Doyle is going to be one major thread. I think little chubby guy whose name I can't remember right now. (laughs) Calvin. Calvin, thank you, is going to be another major thing. I think his progression has been probably my favorite because I think it's real. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, we started off really loving that family. And I think that was the gotcha because they they created this bond, they created this family, and then they're just like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna chip away at it and make them fallible mm-hmm. and make them human. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just gonna say it, come at me. I've never liked Emily. Really? <laughs> nope. She is. I mean, she does. She definitely goes places in she's those too, you know semifinal so issues. She is so. Excellent. Well, she. She's the character that I find myself kind of like when we were reading, um, what was that? Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where there's a character in a book that you you love to read them, but in the moment, in the story, they're so frustrating. And they're so – they've got a point, but the where they're coming at it from – it's the wrong energy. I think it's the wrong vibe for what you're trying to say. That's great writing, though, right? That you want to reach through the page and shake them by the yes. shoulders. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Please don't. And that's why. That's why I like her so much because she challenges me and she gets she she Perfect. provokes me, yeah. and I'm I'm sitting there reading her and being like, "You little brat!" Like, <laughs> like I, yes, yeah, no. but also no. But she's also quite. Judgy and hypocritical at times. Yeah. yeah. And I think she, but they put her, she's judgy and hypocritical in the so called good girl role. But then she does things that are not good. There is nothing to say that she couldn't have reached out knowing how Doyle felt to simply tie off that little situation and then go back and do what she did. And then for her to double down and be like, eh, he'll be fine. He'll get over it. I think I know. Respectful. All the other thing is that whenever they create a character that is supposed to be the center of all things virtuous, and I'm always like, "Mm, that's not going to last long. Something, something's (laughs) going to go sideways because, or it's just not genuine. Um, And I think she has been this, she's been this sort of soapbox character who has been screaming her morality 
in the faces of people who came into that building knowing that they were flawed. They knew it. The only person who didn't know was her. They all, because if you go back through all the previous issues, each character in that book, in this, in this story, has had an issue where they talk about the cracks in their history and how it that trauma has impacted them and how they feel flawed. She came into it believing herself to be normal, having to fit into this flawed world, this weird world that she didn't understand. She came at it from the very elitist approach where they all came at it from this approach of, I just really want to have a family that I belong to. She's got a family that she belongs to. But she judges them for wanting something more, for trying it a different way. And so that's why I was entirely Team Doyle when he was shutting her down. Because I was like, oh, I was still know, Team Doyle. I was a hundred percent Team Doyle. I'm oh like, yeah, a hundred percent. I was still, I was still enjoying her side of it, though. Like I appreciated both, but I was definitely not. I'm not Team Emily in any way. I just enjoy reading that conflict. There, like the 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 hypocrisy of her of her position. She's she's complex, and I just I I like complexity what is it, in conflict? in characters, especially. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, is it conflict as much as it is him being hurt and her being absent minded of that reality? Oh, it's that too. Like he he's that's more, the thing. It, like it's, it's, mo- it's is she just absent minded or is there a hurtfulness to what? No, there's a hurtfulness yeah, to okay. it for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I she is that. she is dismissive in a way. Perfect word, absolutely that yes. Yeah, she is dismissive in a way that is undeniably hurtful. And you and like and I I was hurt for him yep. in while reading that story. And when you get her reaction or her side of it or her kind of brushing his feelings aside, it's almost counterintuitive to to what she knows about him and the bond that they have and the idea that she can be so distracted. And maybe this is a weak thing to to bring up i don't know how much water it'll hold with anybody but like i'm trying to remember like reading a lot of like young characters and stuff i try to remember what it was like to be that age and just how confusing it was and when i think back to like some of the decisions i made or some of the things that i've said or things that i've done that have hurt people like i i try to remind myself that that you know, those types of things are going to happen. And those are a part of who people are. You don't get to where you are without learning things about yourself from the past. Amen. I agree with that. 100%, Amen. I 100% agree with that. I think what Scotty is doing really well with that character, I think he is really tapping into the political zeitgeist. And I know this is going to sound like a lot for a strange academy, but he is asking this group she, he's asking through her, the character, this group of othered people to follow her very normal moralistic view of being angry that she can't wrap her head around things that she doesn't understand. She doesn't like when people tell her only half of the story and that she's going to have to wait to understand the rest. She doesn't like when people tell her that you don't get to tell me what it is mm. I'm going to teach you. She doesn't like when they don't give her all the answers. She doesn't like when, and that's why I love when Doyle pointed out why she's wearing that ring. Um, she doesn't like 
when she is not given all the answers to her satisfaction and that she doesn't, she can't, there's no role to play. So she gets all of them riled up to, to storm, to, to do what they're doing for their, their, their act of defiance, but they're not coming at it from the same perspective. She can go back to her suburban family with her mother and father who love her. Doyle has to go back to hell. Wow. Right. Yeah. You know, zombie girl goes back to the swamp. And Calvin, and Calvin has been going through the mill. Exactly. So it, it frustrates me when her hypocrisy bleeds over to them, trying to force them, these other people, to exist through her experience, which is not the same. She's kind of become a villain. Exactly. Right, right. and you talk (laughs) about the politics of it in in the world we live in. There are people who do exactly that, try to force other people into a box. But it's not my experience, but but you could live my experience. No, everyone lives their own. And she's forcing that on other people. Yeah. Even as guardians have, the enchantress as a mother. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah. How how sweet is it going to be, though? Because you know it's going to happen when we get that issue of somebody absolutely calling her out I on all of the things. Who do you think it will be? This, is, this has been a slow burn annoyance for me, to be honest with you. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, I mean, Doyle, Doyle kind of already lit the fuse, yeah, but everybody – what's that? He, yeah, I was agreeing with you. I was yeah. agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's already lit that fuse, but everybody is so – busy they're so they're so brainwashed in the moment but like once the smoke kind of clears they're all very intelligent kids and sometimes they're a little bit more emotionally mature than i give them credit for and something is going to come out of that and i think that they're in the unified front will turn and I think that that's, that's going to be a defining moment for, for really everybody. But you know what book. also I took away from that last issue? Exactly how emotionally mature Doyle has been. Because did you see what he did in that issue? Barely even breaking a sweat? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Spoilers. I don't know if you want to. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not Doyle caught up. Does so, yeah. I'm behind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's Doyle a force to be reckoned yeah, with. That's, that's that's cool. cool. He cool. didn't even break a sweat. So it was basically yes. like he was basically saying, guys, I've been holding back this whole time awesome. because I want to be a part of this family. But don't push me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So. Basically, like, gives them a taste. Yep. Sorry. Yeah, that's great. It's all right. Um, all right. This is all to say that if you're not reading Strange Academy, you really you should. should. <laughs> wasn't it, wasn't wasn't it our best book of last year? Hell, it was. It was. Yes, it was. It was, and it's like I said last time when I brought it up. Like catching up with it and reading those issues again just reaffirmed what a what a good choice we all made. It's really excellent. I, I highly recommend everybody go read it. All right. Uh, should I do my little Of course. All right. Uh, so last week, let me get out my notes here. That would be a start. Uh, last week was uh, Trans Day of Visibility. And so in my 
search to read some books. I asked Bronwyn if she had anything for me, and she had just gotten back from California, um, hanging out with Emily Martin, and they went to a comic book oh, oh, shop oh, together. Let's drop some names here. Okay. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. And um, she picked up a book uh, from Oni Press called Cheer Up, Love, and Pom Poms. What a great title. It's written by Crystal Frazier, art by Val Wise, and letters by Oscar O. Jupiter. Okay. Annie is an overachieving, grumpy high school student who just found out she needs extracurricular credits on her transcript if she wants to get into a good college. Annie is not thrilled about this. And she's even less enthused when she finds out that her mom is a former cheerleader. And she has just suggested that her daughter sign up to become one of Crane High's Lady Crane cheerleaders. Not not <laughs> thrilled. Okay. Then there's Beatrice. Beatrice is the first transgender member of the Lady Crane's cheerleading squad. Beatrice's parents are awful people. They're overprotective. They're strict. They love their guilt trips. Sadly, they're the kind of people who feel that because what they're doing, they think they're doing it out of love, they don't realize the damage that they're inflicting and how careless some of their language is with their daughter as as she's transitioning. Uh, They think that Beatrice's transitioning is a luxury. On top of dealing with her parents, Beatrice is still like going through all the trials and tribulations of being in high school, of coming out to her friends and doing all of the things that come along with that territory. So as the story plays out, we see Beatrice endure harassment as she tries to remain a people pleaser, forever in fear that she'll be labeled as a problematic trans girl if she doesn't put on a smile. It's really heartbreaking, but it is also absolutely amazing how Annie and her squad mates help build her confidence throughout the story and help her come to grips with such a difficult time in her life. And it's not like she's going along learning the ropes. She is, but every other character in this book is learning as well. And as Annie and Beatrice spend more time together, sparks start to fly Um, They had a a relationship when they were kids and have kind of been reconnecting through this situation of Beatrice joining the squad and Annie having to do it as well. Um, And they discover basically strengths within themselves that they never thought were there. It's really heartwarming. It's really eye-opening. And it's very, very funny. I know that I'm talking a lot about a lot of serious subject matter, but this is a light-hearted story through and through. It's got a lot of laughs to it. But for me, it was also a very reflective story. Thank you all to the group for helping me find this word earlier. Um, it kind of asked me to do my own like self-assessment of my language and how I think of these topics. And it was really refreshing to read such an entertaining story that also asks a little bit of its reader to kind of check yourself and make sure that you are being the type of person that you want to be uh, when it comes to people finding their true selves and, and trying to live that life and being supportive and being patient. And um, it was just a really cool 
you know, story to read around the, the trans day of visibility. And, uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. It is, uh, fantastic. If you want to go and pick it up, it is called cheer up love and pom poms. And it's uh, printed by Oni press. Batman, here it is. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Um, this will be quick. Batman the Night, uh, numbers one and three. I talked about one a couple of episodes back. Written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Carmine D. Giamenico. Colors, excuse me. <coughs> Colors by Ivan Placencia. Letters by Pat Rousseau. Okay. I don't know how many times it will take before revisiting Bruce Wayne's past gets old, but it hasn't happened for me yet. Man. <laughs> I know. Batman the Knight finds a young Bruce Wayne. I'm going to say like late teens escaping to Paris to embrace the unknown and possibly pick up a few valuable skills. Oh, valuable skills. I thought he was going to pick up something else. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to okay. that. Uh, while patrolling the rooftops of Paris, Bruce comes into contact with Lucy Chesson, a.k.a. the Grey Shadow, a seasoned cat burglar with some serious Mrs. Robinson vibes. Yeah. Uh, after discovering that they have a common <laughs> that they have a common goal, Lucy talks Bruce uh, takes Bruce under her wing and begins showing him how to use shadows to his advantage and sneak in and out of fortified places undetected. However, there are too many metaphors the, there for me, Steve. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, take take my hand. Walk with me. <laughs> However. Just as the temperature rises, cue the Simon and Garfunkel, uh, Lucy and Bruce meet Henry Ducard, a hardened detective from Paris who's on the hunt for an elusive serial killer. I'm really digging what Zadarsky is doing in this story, and it has me even more excited for when he takes over the main Batman title in a couple of months. I am admittedly a sucker for origin stories. I love seeing characters come up into the, the heroes or whoever that we know that they are. Um, and I also like to see different creators take a crack at telling their version of events that we already know. Um, I've never seen this story before, but like, I like the way that Bruce is picking up skills from influential people that he meets while hoping to find himself. I think that's a pretty cool approach to it he is very inexperienced in this story in more ways than one oh, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> i think it's cool to see a character that i'm used to seeing wield so much power and influence be taken down a notch and kind of have that power taken away by inexperience it's pretty cool watching him have to depend on other people for teaching you know and i've read at least enough Batman to see him kind of gain his skills in different ways. But there was something about like the Paris setting um, and these characters. Gray shadow is a fantastic character in the story. Uh, and Henry's also really cool. He's, he's kind of just come into it at where I am in the story, but he's effective nonetheless uh, in issue number three and very much kind of gives Bruce the basics of detective work and how to assess a scene and how not to go in half cocked and like make a plan and how you have to have a backup plan for that plan and stuff like that. So it's neat. It's kind of, it's, it's cool watching him kind of be this 
wide-eyed, like, oh, so that's how it's done oh, kind okay. of kind of uh, person. Yeah, I don't know. It's Look, Zadarsky has been on fire. And if, if this were someone else doing this, I might not be as enthusiastic about it. But as we said earlier, like Zadarsky is just on fire uh, in the writing department lately, yeah. last couple of years. And him taking this, this such an iconic character and putting his spin on it, this spells very, very promising things for when he takes over the proper Batman title with, uh, I think it's issue number 125. We went from, I think. Right, we went from Chip being the artist for sex criminals and the <laughs> jokiness of all that to first run through Invaders, the Ben and Johnny yep. miniseries. And, well, classic characters told brilliantly on model, but with new angles to it. And now, now on, on to Batman. Wow. Yeah. What, what, a what, I a, remember, do you remember when, uh, that book Captera came yes, out? Yes. Right. Of his. And we were all like, what? He's writing? What? <laughs> yeah. Like what, what the hell? And that was, that was the beginning yeah. of where we are now. Uh, John, what issue did you say that was? I didn't hear you. I think it's 127. Oh, okay. It's, I think it's in June, but I, I, I think they got to wrap up this Williamson run. But it, yeah, I'm actually going through that now. I read uh, two issues of it last night. Yeah, I haven't read the night yet. I, I, it, I have it all. I just haven't read it yet. But I love Henry Descartes. He was introduced in um, Sam Hamm, the man who wrote the 1989 mm-hmm. movie. They gave him Detective Comics for five ninety eight, five ninety nine, and six hundred. With Dennis Cowan, which is wow. just a classic team up, yeah. and they they introduced Tacard there as the, the kind of the hard boiled detective who teaches Bruce how to be the greatest detective in the world, and he always he's shown up from time to time. But uh, I'm I, I'm a sucker for a Batman origin story too. I love you can always you can do so much with it because I mean he basically he's been everywhere and, and met everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it it it's just fun and like this this starts off like you haven't read it right? No, I have it. I, I it's on my to okay, do like, list. Yeah, it starts off with him like trying to process his pain and his anger. Like he's going into like underground uh, fight club fights. People are betting on you know Bruce Wayne, the the boy billionaire thing, in these these bare knuckle brawls that he's getting into. Uh, he's getting arrested. Alfred has to come and pick him up and he like he pulls a car over and just lays into him about like what he's doing with his life. And it's really, really gripping and really, wow. and really intense. And uh, it's, 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 it's cool. It's really, really cool. It, it's a, it's a part of that character that I've never seen before. And I don't know if it's a reimagining, but it's just, it's neat. It's probably just uh, streamlining what's been done before. But I just had the, yeah. I just had a vision of Alfred in a twisted sister video. Like, what, what are the- you gonna do with your life? <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much because they're I'm like, gonna be like Batman. The, the way that it's the way that it's framed is like they're in the middle of Gotham, you know, driving home, yeah. and he just like yanks the wheel, and Bruce is like, "What the?" And he's never seen Alfred this upset before. And Alfred does that whole thing of like, "Don't make me pull this car over," and he does, <laughs> and just. Like there's something about the way that the street light is coming down on the car that he's like surrounded by darkness, almost like a Batman coming out of the shadows. And he's just 
his eyes are wide and his furrowed brow and he's so angry and you never really see him like this, but he's so fed up because he's just trying to do right by the Waynes' memory and by this kid that he's now responsible for. And like we've seen in so many other stories, like Bruce is just, he doesn't accept Alfred as a real father figure until later, or at least that's the way it's been for a while. I, you know, maybe older stories, it was different, but um, it's, it's really, really cool. It's, it's nice to see the stepping stones of the character. And he's super young in this too. Like he's in, he's in a private school. So it's kind of hard to tell. Like, I would like to give you a, like a high school grade that he's in, but I have no idea. I'd say maybe 10th grade, like sophomore kind of thing. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that. Anyway, it's excellent. You should check it out. Uh, if you haven't had enough of the bat, it's a good way to go. Uh, and cheer up love and pom-poms. We'll put a smile on your face and maybe even teach you a few things. Both fantastic. I'm trying to think. I read a whole bunch of other stuff too, but uh, I did not, uh, not write anything down. Oh, I will say, that uh, I did reread Batman the Imposter. That's the Matson Tomlin and uh, Andrea Sorrentino and Jordi Belair. Uh, three limited black label thing that we talked about a little uh, a few episodes back. I was on uh, Gotham Outsiders with uh, Chris Carey and her co-host TJ. And we talked all about Batman the Imposter for a good like hour and a half maybe two hours. We went really in depth with it. We talked a lot about um, the psychology of it. Uh, Chris went into detail with that, which was a lot of fun to listen to. And we just had an absolutely great conversation about that book. So I believe that's coming out later this month. Uh, I will update everybody as to when that's available. If you want to go and check it out. Uh, We have a couple of more spots planned for the future. Uh, We are, you know, making moves and, Maybe building a network. I don't know. Uh, but that's me. That's what I got. Yes. All right. Let's uh, let's move on here. You're not my uh, Wow. I totally forgot we're supposed to talk about Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need uh, to go too deep into it. Yeah. I don't really – I don't know how much I have to say about it. I could I could say a couple of quick things uh, for me for general, general impressions. Um. I, I, I like it. Like, I, I don't know that it was, I don't know that it was the most exciting debut for a Marvel thing ever, but Oscar Isaac is just such an incredible actor. I love him in this role. I don't give a crap that he spent more than half the time at a gift shop. I'm good with it. I could watch that man do anything and I really liked him in this role. And it was the show overall so far was very trippy, uh, which I absolutely love. I thought the car chase in the middle uh, was a lot of fun. Him barreling down those those windy mountainsides with the cupcakes and the gun and everything. And it's it's different. It's different than than anything that they've offered before. And and I'm into it, and I'm I'm really anxious to see another episode. But um, I saw some people being kind of like meh to negative about it really? in the last little while, and yeah, and I don't know, like I'm I'm good, like 
I'm I'm really looking forward to another episode. I thought it was yeah, really cool. I'm, I'm fine with it being different. That's what's made these more Disney Plus series so interesting. They're all their own thing. The idea of his disassociated identity is right from the books. And I'm sure we'll get further into seeing Mark Spector as opposed to Stephen Grant, but his his way to try to sort out what's going on, chaining himself to the bed, tape on the door, that whole thing. It's it's really well done. Tons of humor in it. Some of it's a little pathos-ridden because it's what is this person feeling? But a lot is just, just out-and-out funny. And then it switches right to, without spoiling too much, there's that scene in the plaza where all of a sudden everyone else sits down and then there's the Arthur Harrow stuff and he's left there by himself. It's funny and scary at the same time. Um, by the way, where John, I'm going to ask you this particular, where do you think that plaza is? Where are we in middle Europe as they're doing that? I think they were in the Alps. They were in what el- what 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 weird Marvel country is in the Alps and over in that oh, part of the you think world? They were, La- you oh, think I they think were? they're in Latveria. I think so. I, they, I think they could be. That's Castle Doom sitting right there that they're looking at. Did, so Mark Spector just escaped from Doctor Doom, possibly because the cupcakes are labeled Von D something I or know. other. Yeah, they were. That would that would be that would be a soft introduction to that country. I'm thinking. I'm just yeah. saying. I I enjoyed the heck out of it. Can't wait to see the next one tonight. Actually, we're on Wednesday, right? Yeah. So tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a question, but I'll ask it after we're done going around the room. Uh, John, do you want to give some general impressions? I I agree. I I I really enjoyed it. I I think that they could have, if they would have released one episodes one and two, oh, they might yeah. have done themselves yeah. some favors um, with, with some of the people who have negative comments. I, I think Oscar Isaac is one of the few actors who could pull off like the scene in the mirror where he's Stephen Grant, but he's Mark <clears throat> Spector yes, in the mirror. Yes. Just the facial cues. I, I, someone, one of, I forget who I was talking to, but somebody was like, they, they flashed out of all the good stuff. And I'm like, I think that made it work even better that you kept getting this, you know, kind of this, this socio distorted view of, of like he disappears into something else. Uh, I think they did a great job with the voice of Kanushu and uh, all of that. And I, I could watch him interacting with his boss for 45 minutes. Yes. Be yes. Just fine. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's got great potential the the cliffhanger was i thought phenomenal um they're obviously changing who moon knight is um making it more supernatural and and maybe uh super powerful but i think if if it works in the context of the show i am fine with that and i can't wait to episode 2 which i won't get to watch until maybe tomorrow thursday you know time how it is. Time travel. <laughs> yep. Nice. Aaron, did you get a chance to check it out? Nope. It's on my list. Though. <laughs> okay. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. But I'll yeah, be honest with you. I will, pro- I will probably – actually, I have it queued up, but I just didn't – I obviously, you guys know, I just didn't have time to yeah. to dig into it. But Carolyn hit me to the fact that Young Justice is back, so that might take precedence. Oh, no. <laughs> 
Well, at least you'll have a you'll, you can you could do a two episode uh, binge when you yeah. finally decide to watch it or watch it whenever. Honestly, well, we probably won't talk about it again until later, unless something really amazing yeah. happens and somebody feels the need to bring it up. But um, like we've done with some of these other Marvel shows, we kind of wait until they're over to come back around mm-hmm. and give like you know some more detailed it's only uh, impressions, six episodes, right? Yeah, I uh, yes. about it though. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think I did actually. For each of them, I think I probably watched. I don't know if I watched them the first. So I think I might be on trend. I think I actually ended up watching them like semi binging. <laughs> I think I know for a fact that I watched like three or four episodes of Loki in a row because I just hadn't done it, yeah. but I caught up before the final episode. So you know, I'm on trend. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Did you have a question, Steve? About oh, I was going to say, I mean, I guess minor spoilers for episode one. Um, but that opening scene of the thing with the villain. Oh, yeah. Like, who who does that? What kind of what purpose does that serve other than like skeeving everyone out that's watching exactly. the show. I felt, exactly. I yeah. felt every, I was like, wow, what a, what a way to establish your villain. Damn. Like, ugh. But is anyway, he, is he even the villain? He might, you know, he might, maybe not a purpose. Yeah. Look, he's a villain. He's a villain for doing what he did to me in that scene. Cause that yeah. is forever okay. going to be etched in my memory. We so haven't, we haven't met friend, the Bushman yet. We haven't met Frenchie. We haven't met any of the other, classic supporting characters so hmm. mm-hmm. so steve you're saying you never put broken glass in your flip-flops <sighs> steve. i usually he knows he here's the difference between me okay. and him i hope they're a lot i only i only do it once a year okay. on christmas <laughs> like christmas morning there's nothing more that i like to do than to like take whatever candles we've been burning and smash up the glass and then throw them in my slippers <laughs> and walk down to the tree get my coffee yeah, but like this guy gives me the impression that he does this every well, day yes. like, this is his morning that's a, ritual. that's his morning walk yes that's Oof. he's a devout ugh. he's a devout disciple to his deity yes, yes. What was even worse was that I think it was like three days later, I actually kicked a glass over <laughs> and it, it broke on the, the basement floor. And I can't even tell you how long I spent tr- sweeping and vacuuming trying to get all of it so that I didn't end up with a moon night situation. <laughs> I got one piece of glass stuck in my foot once and I like lost my mind. I can't imagine <laughs> walking. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Uh, let's hit up two quick news stories and then we're going to wrap it up and get out of here. So they're threatening to remake the crow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're going to reboot it. And so, okay. There's two parts to this story. Uh, Bill Skarsgård has been named as the, the, the lead. So the crow, Um, And then FKA Twigs is going to also have a role in the movie. She is a uh, musical artist. Quite, quite good, actually. And but the thing that the thing that concerns me about this is not Bill Skarsgård. I like him a lot and I could definitely see him pulling off a role like this. And also, like for people flipping out, they've 
the crow is someone that can change. He's like Doctor Who. Like he gets reincarnated in different ways, resurrected in different ways. I don't have a problem with like I'm not gonna hold Bill Skarsgård to Brandon Lee's performance or anything silly like that. What has me concerned is that Rupert Sanders is the director for this. And so he directed Snow White and the Huntsman, which was nigh unwatchable, and Ghost in the Shell, which was also not very good. Um, So, I mean, visually, maybe. Visually, he's, he's definitely got an eye. And look, it's been a long time he's not directed anything in a while and like ghost in the shell was quite some time ago. This could be a situation where he comes back and just makes an awesome movie and I'm all for it. Um, I'm just, I'm a little, I'm a little on, on edge uh, with, with him supposedly being in charge of this thing. Um, But I mean, Skarsgård, sure. No, why not? Um, and I have no idea what FKA can do on screen, but she makes one hell of an album. One of my favorite albums when uh, her last one dropped. I need to look that up. Uh, but yeah, anybody else have any thoughts on Bill Skarsgård playing The Crow? Well, I mean, I, I love the James Obar book. I mean, it was written when his fiance was murdered and he wrote it as a cathartic release to that. Uh, the original movie with Brandon Lee, obviously tragic, but... I thought was very fitting for the time period. It's it's gone a lot of places. I mean, it's more about the reincarnation of those wronged. So I'm I'm open to 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 trying something new. I don't know if they're just going to reimagine the original story again, or if they're going to try and do something different. Uh, I, why not? Let's go. <laughs> In this day and age, sure, there's so many remakes, reimaginings, reboots, requels, as they say in the new Scream movie. Mm-hmm is a lot of time has passed. That tragedy of Brendan Lee across that first movie so informs what you're watching that yeah. what they made sense is sort of, I, I'm just detached. And the director of Ghost in the Shell, I'm not so sure, but who knows? Maybe he's up to it, but what would a Sam Raimi Crow movie look like? Oh, absolutely. I just like ever I've I've been doing spoilers, but I've been working on a, a script for the animation series and I found out that uh like Robert Zemeckis was denied making a movie um because his last two movies bombed and then he had Raiders of the Lost Ark come out and um oh man, it was something else too. But anyway, those were huge, like huge box office barn burners right, back for to him. The future. Back to yeah, the future. Yeah. Thank you. That was it. Back to the future. And so they basically came crawling back on their <laughs> hands and knees to get him to direct this other thing. And um, I, 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 ever since I read that and had to write it, I try to keep that in mind that you never know what to expect out of anyone. So right, look, cautiously look, optimistic. Look, and you, I love Joe Johnston from yeah. The Rocketeer. And he he had a couple of successes. He did the first Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I believe. And a couple of smaller movies and not much. Captain America, the first Avenger. Out, out of yeah. nowhere. But it's, uh, those who knew The Rocketeer were, that's the perfect guy to do this movie. Yeah, but he's not made anything in years. So I don't care that he hasn't made anything for years this is the right guy. So maybe 
maybe like you're saying. Yeah. And you don't know how much you of that ghost know. in the show was was studio. studio yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I like I, the the Huntsman. I mean, those had visually cool elements. Yeah, visually, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah, they were definitely there. You waste the great sure. cast so, in that sludge. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, not to not to beat on uh, Morbius anymore than Why we're not. not. But like, not? no. But there's already there's already talk of like there being another cut of the oh, movie. No. And oh, that, no. I think Espinosa Espinosa is out here saying cut. that like. The he Snyder was really surprised. <laughs> yeah, like he was really surprised by the 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 final product that when he went to go and watch it with everybody that it wasn't the movie that he expected to see. Uh, and then he's also out here saying that uh, Morbius can defeat Doctor Strange. Oh, and I'm what? like, this is why everybody hates Morbius is because of headline shit like this, where the director's out here talking about uh, Doctor Strange putting the hurt on Morbius. Come on. Oh, Morbius! Aaron, save us! Defeat Flash Thompson. Aaron, do you like the crow? All right, so here's the thing: (laughs) (laughs) not everyone has to watch all things that are released. Um, I know that there has been, for as long as I can remember, a cult following behind the crow. To be honest with you, I think it was more so because of the tragedy around. Mm It's making than it was because of the the quality of the film, but whatever leads to whatever is fine. Um, but because I, I feel like honestly, honestly, I truly felt at the time that had that not been the case, it wouldn't have gotten nearly as much screen time as it did. But with that said, I enjoyed it. But it's one of those movies I enjoyed as it was. I don't necessarily need it to be remade because I feel like it's just one of those movies I will enjoy watching. So I don't know. I, I do feel as though I am getting remake exhaustion, not just from Fine, movie, finally, <laughs> but from, from television as well. So it's sort of like, uh, uh, let, let's, let's leave this where it is for now. I don't necessarily know that it needs to be remade to be honest with you. I just don't. I don't. But if if it is, yeah, I'm. I don't. I'm not going to pick it in the street over it. So I mean, and I'll probably end up watching it. I just don't think it's something that right now. I don't. I I, I enjoyed every aspect of the movie that I watched at the time in the moment that I watched it. I don't know if I've ever stood up and said, "Oh my god, I I, I really feel like I'm in the mood for the crow right now." So that's what I mean. So it's not like I don't like it. It's just like I don't. I don't know if I need a new one i think i enjoyed the first one just enough had a killer soundtrack too yes it did yeah second soundtrack was good too it's not as iconic as the first but it it definitely had its songs yeah and uh crow 2 city of angels actually stars the deftones so it's got that going for it (laughs) and what's his face who's in that movie iggy pop yes iggy pops in it uh is that the one with tara reed in it no. No, that's the third one. Sorry. That's the one with yeah. um, the kid from Terminator Edward 2, Farland. and then David Boreanaz is in it. God, that's it. That's, what a cast. That's what right. A cast. David, <laughs> yeah. David Boreanaz is the villain. Yeah, he is. And, uh, uh, and Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong and Tara Reid are in it. Both on their way to read it. No, no, I shouldn't yeah. say that, but it's true. Oh, man. 
I'm adding those to the list of movies that <laughs> are uh, potentially up for grabs for the new podcast. The Crow Collection. That's right. The second uh, one was such a departure, but it still had cool elements. Yes. Um. All right. Moving on. <laughs> let's move. Let's move on. Sharon Stone. <laughs> yeah, on. Sharon Stone. So, um, this one kind of threw me through a loop. Uh, Sharon Stone is in final talks, which basically means yes, uh, to play the villain in Warner Brothers and DC's Blue Beetle. Do we know who she's I mean, playing? Who is the Blue Beetle's big antagonist? Do we know? I don't well, know. I, me neither. Here's the thing. Sharon Stone is the best thing in that awful Catwoman movie. She chews up she, the scenery. She's everywhere. She's a, a honest-to-goodness movie star. And it's just right there. Why not? L- larger than life, whatever she does, I'd be, I, I, she can do it to, as far as I'm thinking. Okay. So we hear that she's a new character created for the film and believed to be the wife of Ted Cord. Cord is the second Blue Beetle in DC lore. Ah, so we're going to do a movie of the newest Blue Beetle with Ted in the background yeah. and maybe he's died and she's the, the widow and whatever. I'm liking this. I'm liking this. Yeah, but she's the villain. I, she is. She yes. wants to get her technology. Ted's technology. I back, guess. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I guess if she wants to get Ted technology. Yeah, but could be fun. Um, I'm. Wait, I mean, I, I. I'm confused because Ted's. Well, I guess it depends on what they're going to do with the continuity. But Ted's technology doing, is what's responsible for Jaime. Right, Jaime's the actual scarab from the first Blue Beetle. Yeah. Oh. I you I know nothing. I know next to nothing about Blue Beetle. I cannot help you. Yeah, well, the second Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, just took the name, and then he's kind of like a tinkerer and creates like all Batman. this technology, mm-hmm. and then becomes the best friends of Booster Gold, which just is comic genius for the <laughs> '80s and '90s. And then they just did. Did you read that, Aaron? The newest one. Blue yeah, I'm Gold? reading it. I'm sure. Is it good? It. I actually like it. It's it's. <laughs> I think those two characters deserve to be together. Uh, yeah, I, I love them as a as a as a bromance. Has anybody seen the show Murderville on Netflix? I watched the one with Sharon Stone. Actually, I thought it was hysterical. Yes, that's, yeah. yeah. I well, I, I I watched the whole thing, but I did watch the I with that. I watched the Sharon Stone episode, and she was great. Yeah. She was great in that well, episode. Do you guys know what this weird show is? Nope. It's um, it's. Bill Hader, right? Am I getting this wrong? No, it's Will Arnett. I'm sorry. I always confuse them. We, He's a detective. Think think the Naked Gun kind of movies he is. He's a really lousy detective or sledgehammer, if we want to be that. And there's always a murder. Something's gone wrong. And he has these guest stars who appear as themselves. And it's all yeah. ad-libbed. They're all just making up as they go along. It is bizarre and weird and funny and uncomfortable and eminently watchable. It is just a great yeah, bit of business. It's Ken, Ken Jong, uh, Marshawn Lynch, yeah, yeah, uh, right. Annie, Annie, Annie Murphy, uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Like it's just, it, it's, it's, they, they don't have lines. Like they're being fed everything on the spot. So it's kind of like a, whose line is it anyway? but only for the guest 
uh, detective or the guest actor. And in a plot of a thing where they're in a set, whatever, she, she's doing this German accent at the autopsy, Sharon Stone. Yeah. <laughs> She's, she's Dr. Von Schlanken, Schlanken, Schlanken or something from Vienna, and she's going to do an autopsy. It's like, okay, sure. It's it's a lot it's a lot better than I ever thought that it would be, and I really, really hope that it gets a second season. But like the first thought that I had when it was done, I was like, this is all I'm ever going to get from this brilliant thing. <laughs> so, so you'll have six perfect episodes or whatever it is, and it'll be great. I was. I think five of them. Five of them were great. There was one that wasn't so great, but it's fine. Um, overall, if if you want to watch basically like a Frank Drebin character yeah. that's been beaten by life, that's that's Will Arnett's his character, his ex partner, and this the shrine in his office and the. <laughs> oh my god! All the cobwebs yes, yes. on the on the stuff. <laughs> it's it's really it's funny. Ah, good stuff. Thanks, Will Arnett. <laughs> Thanks, Bill Hader, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's it. I think the, I think we've got a show here. Um. Yeah. Yeah, we got a show here. I'm not gonna. I was gonna launch into a whole thing, but I'm not gonna bother. Uh, we will update you on all the site related stuff when we have. I know that we've been kind of teasing things out, and when are they ever going to get to it? Life is hard. Things are happening. <laughs> it's, it was when when it's done, we might share the tale of how it all came together. <laughs> and if we do, it's quite epic. Um, but we are working on stuff. We have a lot of fun plans in the works. And uh, in the meantime, you got this. You got us. Old, old tried and true Talking Comics podcast every Wednesday, 6 a.m. Uh, let's talk about the books that we're looking forward to this week. <laughs> It's a great week yeah. for, for comics. There's lots of cool stuff coming out. Um, Bob, what are you picking up? Rocketeer. There's a new miniseries starting. Getting that certainly. Captain Marvel. Annual Black Widow 15. Strange number two. She-Hulk number three. FF42. And I already have in my greedy little hands, I'm not saying how, Wonder Woman Historia Volume 2 with art by G. And it is incredible. Oh man! Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to. Do, oh yeah, I'm gonna have to take a trip to the uh, in the, the oversized oversized format. There's there's a, a spread. This this I'll be talking about it next week, obviously. But we get a lot you of save you save your energy yeah. because I will definitely read that and I'll join you in that conversation cool for sure. Okay, um, Aaron, what are you picking up? I will say it like this. I will read a list of books that are coming out. And there is a possibility that I may read from this list. But I cannot make promises that I won't get these books. All right. Is that vague enough? Um, X-Force, whatever number that is, because there's two books coming out. Uh, there's an issue within this annual FF42, She-Hulk 3, Black Widow 15, Captain Marvel Annual, Strange 2, Marauders, whatever number that is, Wonder Woman Historia, New Masters 3, and Project Superpowers Fractured State number one. And that's it. All right. So that's my pool of, of possibilities. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, John, how about you? 
Uh, got Batman Killing Time number two, uh, Batman number 122, uh, Radiant Red 2, Black Widow 15, Devil's Reign number six wraps up that great event, FF 42, uh, She-Hulk 3, and then, yeah, apparently it's the, the mutant drop of the week. We got Marauders 1, X-Men Red 1, X-Force number 27, and I too will be picking up Wonder Woman Historia number two. All righty. Uh, for me, I've got Batman 122, Wonder Woman Historia number two, Black Widow 15, Captain Marvel, Devil's Reign, yes, number six, uh, Fantastic Four number 42, She-Hulk 3. I might try Spider-Punk number one. Ooh. Emphasis on might. Uh, Strange number two. I'm debating on picking up X-Men Red number one. I like me some storm. So I might have to get this book. Uh, there's a book coming out called Alice ever after number one that I want to check out. It is a sequel comic to the original Alice in Wonderland. So I need to go and check that out. I do actually, because I wasn't here last week and I didn't get to bask in the glory of all the, the in the afterglow of all of us being able to meet in New York. I did want to say to, you know, to all the TC family that was able to come in at the last minute and celebrate and do all that stuff. Thank you all for uh, giving of your time and coming out and spending time with us. Uh, it was better than I had imagined. And, and I definitely look forward to doing it again. It was just the perfect event at the right time. So thank you guys for that. Thank you. Aaron. Nice. Sweet. All right. Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the talking comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through podcast at talking We are also on Twitter at talking comics and I'm not going to read the website because it's still under construction. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Fashion email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey is at Joey Bracino. Aaron? At Aaron J. Amos. John? Uh, At John P. Burkle. And I am at dead underscore anchorus all over the internet. Uh, Like I said, be on the lookout for that Gotham Outsiders episode. Uh, there's probably some other stuff dropping soon. I don't know. I'll update you next show, I'm sure. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast, to be continued.